Bible tonight and turn to 1 Peter. We're going through the book of 1 Peter on Wednesday night, Bible study. I hope you are faithfully reading through the scriptures because they will help you grow in the, your Christian life. We've got down to about chapter uh, 1 and verse 20. We're looking at verse 20. It says, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Talking about, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, referred to in verse 19. For by him do we believe in God that raised up him from, from up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. We're talking about the consecrated life, the consecrated life. Consecrated life is developing a day-by-day relationship with God. It's spending time with Him. It's talking with Him. It's walking with Him. It's choosing, really, what's most important in life. The older I get, the more I realize what's important in life. You know, when you're a kid, everything, everything excites you. Every new gadget, every new gizmo, every new toy, you look at it, you play with it. It, 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 it uh, amazes you. It causes you to be curious. But the older you get, you realize those things just really don't satisfy. Now, really, the material things of this, of this life as you grow in Christ really satisfy less and less and less. Even when I'm on vacation sometimes, I enjoy vacation. I enjoy whether it be the mountains or the beach or the west. I enjoy all those things. There's these good places to go. But the greatest, the greatest joy I have is, 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 is my fellowship with Christ. The greatest joy I have is sitting down at the dinner table with my wife and two kids. That's some of the greatest joy I have. Now, it's nice to be doing that in a nice place. But really, the temporal things to me, as I grow physically and as I hopefully mature in Christ, are, really mean less and less to me. They really don't, they really don't satisfy and I think, I think that's part of the Christian life. As you grow in Christ, the things of this earth, as the song says, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Because really, ultimately, Christ is preparing us for a perfect place. Nothing on this earth can compare to heaven. Not even, even the best of the best, the greatest of the greatest. The nicest of the nicest. I mean, you. this time of year, people, or I have friends that are traveling in, to Paris. They're, they're fishing in Alaska. They're doing things. I got, you know, they're doing things all over the world. And I look at it and say, man, wouldn't it be nice to catch some salmon in Alaska? Wouldn't it be nice to be over with my friend over there in, in Paris? Or wouldn't it be nice to, to be, do this or do that? And all those things may be temporarily nice, but ultimately your relationship with Christ and knowing him is the most important thing in life. So we see the importance of having our relationship with him. And it says here in verse 20, for verily who was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Interesting, we're talking about our relationship with Christ should be nurtured. It should be nurtured. Uh, if you want to, if you want to, if you want something, if you want plants to grow, you have to nurture them. If you want, if you want your garden to grow, you have to nurture it, right? It takes time. It doesn't just happen because you want it to happen. Throw some, throw some seeds out there and say, okay, grow, 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 grow. <laughs> Yell at it, scream at it, <laughs> smile at it. <laughs> but unless you nurture it, it's not going to grow. 
it's that way in a, in a relationship, in a marriage relationship, in a relationship with your children. It takes nurturing. It takes work. It takes patience. It takes love, long-suffering. All that's important. It doesn't, it doesn't just happen because two people who, who get married, I spent much time with Caitlin and Travis talking about as, as important as the wedding ceremony is, the marriage, what happens after you say I do, is very, very important. There's times you're going to disagree. Times you, you, you're not going to get along. Times you, 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 may, you, may, you, know, you may disagree on how to, uh, who's going to, Who's going to uh, take care of the uh, whatever in the house? Or who's going to do this? Your duties, your, those just the small things, those little foxes that spoil the, line, the, the, the vines that, that destroy our fellowship. So it, it takes nurturing. This word foreordained here, interesting word, is from the Greek, which means to procrastico, meaning to, to have knowledge of beforehand. It helps to form the word which we get prognosis or or prognosticate, or means to forecast. Meaning, basically, Jesus foreknew what was going to happen before the world began because he is omniscient, he's all-knowing, but he didn't preordain it to be so. He didn't preordain Adam to sin. He didn't preordain Cain to, to kill Abel. It was a choice. And some people think, well, you know, God's, God, God is sovereign. Everything that happens is, is ordained of God. No, sin is never part of God's equation. It was against God's will that Adam would sin and eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and, good and evil. That was not his will. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So anybody who says to you, God is going to cause me to go, to go to hell. God wants me to go to hell. No, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He, why would he send his son if he wanted someone to go to hell? He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that we would not go to hell. So <clears throat> it's important to establish that Christ foreordained what was to come. In the church of Jonathan Edwards, used to pastor, there was a memorial plaque to his ministry in Malachi 2, 6, the law of the truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and, and did turn many away from iniquity. That should be our goal. Robert Morgan said, God didn't call me to find fulfillment in the quantity of my work for him, but in the quality of my walk with him. What is our quality of life, spiritually speaking? Psalm 86, verse 11, teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth, unite my heart to fear thy name. I read a story about a man by the name of Yates. Yates, Yates, during the Depression, Mr. Yates Poole was a sheep rancher in Texas. And he was poor. <laughs> he had little money, little food, little substance in West Texas. But then a seismograph crew from an oil company came into his area and told him there might be oil in his land. They asked permission to drill a wildcat well, and he signed a lease contract. At 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels of oil. In the future, more than twice as large. In fact, 30 years after discovery, the government test of one of the wells showed it still had the potential 
flow of 125,000 barrels of oil a day. (laughs) You see, he was sitting on a gold mine and he was living in poverty. You know what, Christians? Sometimes we live like like we're paupers. But would you realize we have the greatest resource imaginable in the word of God, in the Holy Spirit inside of us, to have a relationship with Christ? Oh, dear friend, you don't have to go around sighing like everything's sad and bad and it's going to get worse. You should, have a, you should have joy realizing the resources we have in Christ Jesus, that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that you have the promise of a better place. Your future is as bright as the promises of God. Don't walk around all day like you're persecuted, like gloom, despair, and agony on me. We should have the joy of the Lord as our strength. Dear friend, realize the resources. You are richer than any person in the world if you have Christ, spiritually speaking. And your riches will outlast any millionaire, any billionaire in the world because you have riches that last. You have riches that last. We'll look at Job. You find a man that had a a rich relationship with God, a rich relationship with God. Job 22 and verse 21, acquaint now myself with him and be at peace, thereby good shall come unto thee. This word acquaint is from the Hebrew word, which means to be familiar with or to cherish. Job was saying that we we should cherish our relationship with the Lord and be familiar with him. Familiarity comes from spending time with the Lord, meditating on his word, reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it, focusing on it. The only, way, the only way you get to know someone is to spend time with them. Angie was in West Virginia. I was in, I was in Greenville, South Carolina. And I came to a place after six months of, of dating and then engagement and said, this has to end. We need to get married. I wanted to spend more time with her. I wanted to get to know her. It, it, it wasn't going to work with just letters. It wasn't going to work with just phone calls. It had to, it had, I, had, I had to marry this lady. It's a choice. It's a choice. And dear friend, you choose every day to spend time with God. You 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 choose to spend time with him. The more you get to know him, the more you love him, the more you appreciate him, the more you're thankful for him. The word acquaint is also can be translated treasure. Treasure. Is God God and what he does, his works in your life, is is that precious to you? It should be precious. It should be important to you. I think there's been people throughout the Bible that we see who neglected their relationship with God and their relationship with God that was not precious anymore. Demoth hath forsaken me having loved this present world. Yesterday, uh, Tuesday, yeah, yesterday, I took my wife to a, a uh, one of her play, favorite places to go is thrift shopping. That's her favorite, one of her favorite things to do in this world is to go thrift shopping. So I found this real nice thrift shop in Jacksonville. I took her and my daughter there yesterday on my day off. And I found this book. And inside it books, it basically it says, what you love determines who you are. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But the Bible says also, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, without thy soul, with all thy mind. And I didn't read a lot of the book. I was trying to read it while my wife was shopping, but I only got a couple pages into it. 
And basically his premise was, what you love is who you are. Tell me what you love. Tell me what you think about. Think, 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 tell me what you focus on. It tells you a lot who you, what you are, what you, what you are. Well, do we love God? Do we love God? Well, you, you have a desire for God, else you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night. Uh, a couple can say they love one another and speak words to one another, but those words are seen in their actions, their actions every day in their life. It's not just words that be, are said, it's faithfulness one to another. If a man loves his wife, he'll be faithful to his wife. If a wife loves his, her husband, she'll be faithful to her husband. If they don't, they're selfish, they love one another. If, if a man loves his wife and loves his family, he'll take care of the house. He'll, he'll work hard to, to provide for his family. He'll get up in the morning when he doesn't want to get up and, to pay the bills so the water bill gets paid, the, the the GRU bill gets paid. Whew, heard a lot about that recently, especially this last month. Let your bill gets paid. Everything gets paid. Why does he do that? Because he loves his family. He, he cares. That's love. If we love Jesus, we'll obey him, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. The reason why we don't keep our commandments, his commandments, is because we love ourselves. And that's the war that we have every day of our life. We love, we love ourselves or we love God. If we love ourselves, we'll do things to please ourselves. If we love God and others, we'll do things to please God and others. It's a choice. It's a choice. Demas chose the world. Elimelech and Naomi neglected their walk with God. They left the place of Bethlehem, the house of bread, and they went and spent time during a time of trouble with the, in the Moabites. And what did happen? <laughs> Elimelech and his two sons were killed because he was out of the will of God. He made bad choices. He made, he made bad choices. When we're out of the will of God, even those things which seem to satisfy will not satisfy us. What happens if you neglect your relationship with God? That's what happens. <laughs> Somebody didn't water the plants. Somebody didn't take care, didn't fertilize them, didn't put that little green stuff all around them. They just let them go out there. What do they do? Die. What happens if you, don't, if you don't nurture your relationship with God? It'll be just like that. You've seen it in your own life. You've seen people who used to come to church, used to sit in these chairs, and you don't see them anymore. What's, what's, what's going on in their life? That. It's a mess. It's like a soap opera. It's trouble. When you and I get away from, from God, it's death. What had happened to Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God? They lost fellowship with God. And though they didn't physically die, they spiritually died. That's why a, a personal relationship with God, a, to nurture it, to know to really how, how important it is, but put, to put it every day in in the prominent place of your of your life that if you don't if you don't spend time with God on a day it bothers you well if you don't spend time eating it should bother you right if I don't go down to Sundays twice a week I, I kind of I remember you know I didn't get down to Sundays twice a week I kind of remember that but I don't I don't I don't get something to eat I after about a few hours my belly reminds me I'm trying to I'm trying to I should eat 
if you don't if you don't spend a, if you don't spend a couple of days if you miss a couple of days without spending time with God or praying to God or getting in God's word it should bother you it should it should it may, it should make you feel awkward it should be strange it should not be the normal what's the bible saying uh, I missed all some of that. Sorry about it. I cut off some of the bottom. But it says in Isaiah 65, verse 13, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, my servant shall eat, but shall be hungry. Kind of like eating Chinese food. You can eat a little bit and still be hungry about an hour from now. Behold, my servant shall drink, but they shall be thirsty. Behold, my servant shall rejoice, but shall be ashamed. Behold, my servant shall sing for joy of heart, but shall cry for sorrow of heart. They shall howl for vexation of spirit, and shall leave your name for a curse. And to my chosen, for the Lord God shall slay thee, and call his servants by, by another name. They drank, and they weren't filled. They ate, and they were, hung, they were still hungry. Why? Because they, they feast on, on those things which could not satisfy we need to develop our relationship with Christ. How do we do that? How do we develop our relationship with Christ so that we grow, so that our life is not like dead potted plants, that we, but we have new growth in Christ? Well, first of all, of course, it starts with salvation, right? It all starts with being born again, right? Nicodemus, Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. We must know that we know that we know Christ is our Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, for the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him, neither can they know them, because they're spiritually discerned. You ever talk to somebody about their spiritual life, and they look at you like you got two heads? What's it mean? You, you mean you go to church three times a week? What, what do you mean? You, you, you read the Bible? What do you mean? You believe, you believe in, being cons, you believe in conservatism, conservatism? You're a conservative? In Gainesville, you're a conservative? Brother Grady McMurtry called me. He says, are you surviving in the Berkeley of the South? I said, brother, we're surviving. We're still here. We're still a bright spot in a dark place. We're still alive. We're still believing. We haven't closed our doors yet by the grace of God. Still living for Jesus. We're still here. But he's from Berkeley, California. A real, real liberal place. That's where he was born. So he asked me how the Berkeley of the South was. I said, brother, we're still alive still alive but the natural man doesn't understand the spiritual things that's why you talk to them about about the social issues of the day and they think you're crazy what we shouldn't talk to our k-5 students about sexuality well that's natural why, why not talk to them about that why not talk to k-5 students about gender gender issues we're not talking to them about social issues no i want to talk to k-5 students about how to read how to write how to do arithmetic. They shouldn't be talking about gender issues or sexuality issues. That's for the parents to talk about. But when you talk to them about like, stuff like that, they think you're crazy. No, it comes from a biblical worldview. They have a, they have a non-biblical worldview. They have a worldly worldview. That's why they believe what they believe. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, you know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true, even the the Son, Jesus Christ, that is true and eternal life. So we seek a relationship with him. Seek the Lord in scriptures and in prayer, which we've been talking about. John 5, 39, search the scriptures. For in me you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify in me. One pastor put it this way. We ought to seek the rubies of revival and refreshment, the silver of salvation and saintliness, the sapphires of stability and steadfastness, the gold of godliness and giving, the diamonds of dedication and determinism, the pearl 
of prayer and purity, the opals of obedience and living for others, the emeralds of, of enthusiasm. Those are some precious stones, amen, that will last much longer than the physical objects that I mentioned. The word of God is the key factor. Raven, Leonard Ravenhill put it this way, the fact beats the fact beats ceaselessly into my brain these days that there is a world of difference between knowing the word of God and knowing the God of the word. You know the God of the word? Some people know the word, the word of God like it's a textbook. Like it's something just, it's good to know it. It's good to memorize it. But it's not, it, you have to internalize it. It has to be a part of you. J.I. Packer said to affirm, as some do, that the man can discover and know God without, without God speaking to him is really to deny that God is personal. That's what we wanted to see developed in the life of our young people, a personal walk with God. I was thinking this about this other day. That's why it's important that they go to Christian camps and be involved in, in, in things like that nature because that's where they develop their time, their, their relationship with God. They, they understand, the, they see the importance of it. Because sometimes kids get the idea, well, it's just me. Then they go to a camp or then they go to a conference and they see it's just not us five or six in a youth group. There's hundreds, yay, thousands of teenagers all around America. Their desire to, love, to live for God and love God. It's important. Thirdly, sacrificial giving. Bible says in Luke chapter 638, give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, burning over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure you meet with all, it's you measured you again. That's part of the Christian life. Then supplementing your faith with character. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 5, but besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and in virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither, shall not, neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This word diligence here, this word diligence comes from the Greek word, which means with earnestness, with effort, with haste. We're, we're to add these areas, these virtues in our, in our lives with diligence. As diligent as you're going to look forward to that Florida football game coming up here in September. You diligently seek it on your, on your television screen. As you diligently search your Amazon app for that thing that you have to have tomorrow by 6 o'clock. Just as diligently, we should add to our faith these things because they're important to us. They matter to us. We should, this word add is a command. It forms the English words chorus, choreography, uh, the word means to, to furnish or to supply. I read a story in the Greek, in the ancient Greece, elaborate plays were held. These were expensive to produce, requiring the service of a large choir. The state established a course, a course director, and uh, he, he paid the expenses for the training of the chorus. Imagine that, Brother Chuck. You have to pay for the training of the choir. That would be something interesting to happen. <laughs> In other words, the choir master added his financial contribution to the amount the state supplied. These choir directors would try, would try to, to outdo one another in their generosity because they wanted the best singers in their choir. 
So some would pay more to one than the other. They, they added to what the state would give them with their own, finance, their own finances so they could get the best choir. All of us have been given things at salvation, but we should strive to add to our faith these areas which were mentioned so we can grow in our Christian life. Add temperance, patience, add godliness, add brotherly kindness, add charity or love. These are things we can add or work on. All of us, every one of us, has weaknesses in our Christian life. What is your weakness? You say, weakness, my weakness is patience, preacher. Are you a patient person? Uh, my, my weakness is virtue. I struggle with being a virtuous person. My struggle is love. I struggle with loving other people. What is, what is your weakness? We all have weakness. I struggle with kindness. Are you kind? Are you naturally kind? Or do you have to work on it? We all have areas where we struggle. Maybe some of you struggle today. Maybe you struggle this morning. <laughs> That's why we sing, is your all on the altar? <laughs> we every now and then we need to get right because our flesh sometimes comes up and we do things we know we shouldn't do. We need to add to our faith. We need to add to our faith. So Peter is saying the Christian is to adequately furnish, supply, support his life with these virtues or character traits. Faith, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. All of us can work on areas we're, de we're deficient in. All of us need to. Let me, and, you know, it's a good thing to ask God, Lord, show me areas of my life. Show me if there be any wicked way in me. Or just do something different. Ask your wife. Ask your spouse. They'll tell you. They'll, they'll tell you the truth about yourself. Now, you might not want to hear it, but they'll tell you the truth. Where, you, where am I deficient at? Where do I struggle at? I asked my wife one time. I think I asked her only, I asked her only once. That was it. <laughs> Sometimes you just plays out, tell me, and I need it. Regard others second, third, with great love. For it says in verse, uh, the, next, the next verse, verse 22, look at it. It says, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love with the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. This word unfeigned, which means undisguised. It means sincere, without hypocrisy. We're to guard or relish others with a fervent heart, with fervent love with a pure heart. It it's, it's basically means to really love people. To not put on a, a fake, not, not, not to be farce, not to, not to be uh, hypocritical, to not act, but to, but to be true. Well, that's the second commandment in Scripture, to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what we want to be one to another. We, wanna, we, want, we want when people come to this church to walk out of here and say, I felt like I was loved at this church. And you know what, as a pastor... It does my heart good. Well, oftentimes when I, when I visit people or talk to people after they make an initial visit here, that they say this is a loving church. It's, it, it can't be just words we say. Oh, it's good to have a saying, a loving church serving a living Savior, caring about our community. It's good to have a phrase about us, but it's even better to live it. It's better than people come they experience it in their life. And it's not something that just happens three times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, on Wednesday night. It should be throughout the week. We shouldn't be expressing those, those, that love 
whether it be text or a message or a phone call or a visit, it should be part of our life. We should show it. We should show our love one towards another. Love is an action word. It does. Love works. Love works. I read an example of sailors who used to, used to see this flashing signal in the, from the Minoit light off of a place called Skitatuit, Massachusetts. The, sig- the, the signal spelled, I love you, in nautical code. Several years ago, the Coast Guard decided to replace the old equipment. They announced for, the, for technical reasons the new machines would be able to flash I love you message. The, the public protested and the Coast Guard weakened. The old equipment remains and continues to send out its message of cheers to sailors. Love is a big deal. Love is a big deal. It's unfeigned. It shouldn't be fake. It's, you, it's fervent. Fervently means eagerly. It means, uh, uh, it means to stretch to its limits of a, of a muscle's capacity, to do it to its, 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 its greatest potential, eagerly, fervently, constantly, zealously. That should, be our, that should define our love. We have a fervent love one towards another. It should be felt. Our love for, for one another, for, for God, and for, first for God, and then for others, should be, should be felt, should be, should be seen. How do we know? How do we know that we how do we know that we're disciples? The Bible says in John 13, 35. The Bible says, For this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if ye have love one to another. If ye have love for another. The issues of love in 1 Peter, what does 1 Peter say about this word of love or charity? Well, it says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom through through now you see him not, yet believing, and rejoice, and joy with unspeakable, full of glory. The Savior's to be loved. We've never seen him. We've not heard him, the audible voice. Never felt him, never touched him. But we still love him. We still love him. The saints are to be loved. Saints are to be loved. 1 Peter 4, 8. For above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity covers a multitude of sin. You ever, if, if, you're, if, you, if, you, if you get in a place, couples... You start snipping at one another. You ever snip at one another? It's over small stuff. You start snipping at one another. What, what's happening is you're losing your love for one another. You've lost that loving feeling. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you have to remember again, why did we get married? <laughs> why are we doing this? And recommit yourself to it. And choose it. Feelings, marriage is not just feelings, it's a choice. I choose it. And once you make that, and once you realize it's a choice, then the feelings come 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 with that. But the but the but the choice, the 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 duty, the, the realization that this is this is what God wants. When two people get married, they say, Well, why do you get married? Well, because we love one another. Well, that's good. But you better believe God wants you to get married one another. Because you're in the part of that relationship, you're going to wonder to yourself, is God really in this? Is this really what God wanted? You better be sure it's what God wants for you. And stick to it. And then as you start doing things one for to another, and start helping one another, encouraging one another, 
and showing that love, that love grows. Again, it has to be nurtured. It has to be nurtured. The Savior is to be loved. The saints are to be loved. And what is a, again, sorry about how the text went low. I got to fix that. Subdue your tongue if you love life. How do, how do you know if you love somebody or not, or not, not love somebody? It's evident by what you say, right? If, if you're sniffing at one another, what happens? Well, you, you did that. Or, or, or it's your fault. Or you shouldn't have. Or why'd you do this? But if you love somebody, if you really love somebody, if they left the dish out for the thousandth time, you're not going to preach a 30-minute sermon on why they shouldn't have left the dish out. If they, if ladies, if your husband left his clothes on the floor for the millionth time, and you told him, and you told him, and you told him, and you told him, well, you can preach another sermon, but he's probably going to leave it out tomorrow. Or you can just pick it up and put it in the hamper. You see? When you start, when you start that whole getting upset at one another, it, what, how, does it, how does it portray? By what you say. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you think about before long comes out of your heart. Comes out of your, it's in your heart, comes out of your mouth. Comes out of your mouth. That's why you have to daily forgive one another. And say, Lord, help me in these areas to show love. Do not be selfish. To be compassionate. To care. Because what happens when the two people don't love one another? It's selfishness and pride. That's all it is. That's all. That's what it is. It's when you when we when you get when we get so caught up in our own selves and we want our own way. All it is is selfishness and pride, and that's disunity, and that's destruction. Dear friends, we need fervent love. I read a story, and I close with this. In 1765, John Fawcett was called to pastor a small congregation in Waynesgate, England. He labored there for seven years, small, small church, meager salary. They were surviving, but just barely. Another church, larger church, called him and said, would you come pastor our church? He thought to himself, well, if I go to this other church, I'll make more money. I'll have nicer things. I'll have more stuff. Got ready to pack his bags up, pack his, pack his house up, get ready to leave. He thought to himself, what should I do? Wife was weeping, crying. His wife came to him and said, oh, John, I can't bear this. They need us. So They need us here. We need to stay here. We need to be faithful here. God has called me here. He said, God has spoken to my heart, too. Tell him to unload the wagon. We cannot break these wonderful ties of fellowship. That experience caused Fawcett to write a hymn, Blessed be the tie that binds our heart in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred mind is light to that above. We're to love one another with a fervent heart. What's the most important thing about this church? The building? Nice, but no. Air condition, nice, but no. Those padded seats, nice, but no. The pulpit, the color of the wall, the red, the red roof, no. Those are nice, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is our love for one another in fellowship. Our love for Christ and our love 
to one another. Because you can have a nice building, red roof, brown carpet, brown wall, not yellow, nice air condition, nice pews. I've been in churches like that that had nice stuff. But when you walked in, it was cold, 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 cold. They had lots of nice stuff, but it was cold. Why? Because they didn't love God, and they really didn't love one another. And dear friend, we have to remember the most important things in life is loving God and loving one another. Our flesh wants to be selfish. Our flesh wants to be self-focused, self-consumed. What do I want? But it's not me. It's Christ. May we choose every day to nurture our relationship with God. Him first. Him first. Him first. And secondly, nurture our relationship one to another. That's why we have fellowship time. Fellowship time is not a filler time. It's not, just a, it's not just a time where I say, well, you know, we need that 10 minutes so everybody can walk around so I, so I don't have to come up with 10 more minutes of material to preach. And I could, I, could, I could come up with 10 more minutes of material. Fellowship time is specifically put into service so that we would show our love one towards another. That we'll shake hands and hug necks and express our love for another. Because if we lose that, we've lost it, friends. If we lose our love for God and one for another, we are just basically a place where, come, where people come and say hi. This is not a social club. This is not where we come and say hi and give gifts to a cause. No, we are a church. We're a band of brothers and sisters in Christ on a journey to love God and love others till Christ calls us home. May we continue in this and be faithful to it and dedicate ourselves or rededicate ourselves to God and one to another in obedience to Christ. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for the relationship we can have with you, the personal relationship we can have with you. We thank you, Father, for the relationship we can have with others. Help us to fervently love you with all our heart, soul, and mind. Help us to love one another. Lord, that's, that means... That means choosing to do those things which maybe not are so comfortable. Stepping out of our comfort zone and saying and speaking up or saying something or doing something that may seem awkward, but is best for the other people to encourage them, to exhort them, to show fervent love. Maybe you're here tonight and there's one of these areas are lacking. Maybe it's your maybe it's your walk with God. It, it hasn't been nurtured. Maybe it's been a long time where you've really been serious with your walk with God. You're hit and miss with your devotions. Oh, you'll read something on Monday, but you're hit and miss, to be honest. You've not been serious about spending time with God. You want to. You really, really desire. You really want to, but you're just struggling at it. How's your relationship with God? You say, preacher, I'm struggling with just having that daily time with God, committing myself. There's so many other things on my schedule there's so many things in the house, and I get busy, I get distracted, but I really need to be dedicated with spending time with God every day. Would you pray for me that God would, that God would show me, that God would encourage me, that God would help me in, in spending time with him every day? Is that you this, this evening? I'm struggling in that, and that just daily time. Amen. Amen. It's the only way to, be, only way to change is to be honest about it. 
They say, I need to do it. It's easy, I know, to get distracted. Start looking at the phone. Start looking at the house, what needs to be cleaned, what needs to be done. Preacher, I'm struggling with just nurturing my relationship with God. I'm struggling with it. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Anybody else? Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with loving others. I'm struggling with nurturing my relationship with others, with caring about others. My tendency is to be self-consumed, self-focused. I need to love others. I need to show other people my love, my care. I'm struggling, preacher. Would you, I'm being honest tonight. Would you pray for me? Anybody like tonight? Tonight? I'm struggling in that area of my life. Anybody be honest? Amen. 